So let's just throw up the white flag and give it all to him because he is worthy. Revelation chapter number 1, and I want to come now to the heart of this passage. And let's begin reading this morning in verse number 9. And we're going to try to work our way down through verse number 17. And you follow along and underline some words when I get to them. You ready? Revelation 1 verse 9, I, John who also am your brother and companion, underline this, in tribulation, and underline this, in the kingdom of patience of Jesus Christ, was, underline this, in the isle of, I was up, in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 10, I was, underline that, I was, underline this, in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Write thou, write thou, what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, under Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Verse 12, underline this. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, underline this, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about with paps and a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire, and his feet like unto brass if they had burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun that shineth in his strength. Verse 17, and when I saw him, underline this, I fell. I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I had you underline five eyes here in John's Revelation. Underline, I was. Underline, I heard. Underline, I turned. Underline, I saw, then underline, I failed. I was, I heard, I turned, I saw, and failed. Now, before we get into that, notice what he said in the first verse of our text. He said, I, John, was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And when he got into spirit on the Lord's day, 
That's when he heard, that's when he saw, that's when he turned, and that's when he fell. Remember, he said, I, John, that means he's a saint, a saint of God. He said, uh, I was in the spirit. That means the Holy Spirit. So we got a saint in the spirit. And then he said, it happened, not on the Sabbath, but notice he said, the Lord's day. That's Sunday. So you got a saint getting in the Holy Ghost or the Spirit on Sunday. And before that Sunday's over, he has a head-on collision with the Savior. So I've entitled the message today, When a Saint in the Spirit on Sunday meets the Savior. Well, glory. When a saint in the Spirit on Sunday meets the Savior. And you know what ought to be the desire of every saint of God today? Get in the Spirit on Sunday and you'll meet the Savior. Have you ever gone to a restaurant in a hurry and you ate the food but you did not experience it? I've lived on the road so much and I stay in such a hurry so much. I can eat all of my food while most people are getting their napkin ready. In fact, I can burn down a forest while most of y'all is trying to get a match out of your pocket. My wife says, my famous line is, do it now, yesterday. But sometimes I'm in such a hurry that I eat all my food. And I've eaten it, but I have not experienced it. If you're careful, you'll go to church on Sunday morning, sing a song, shake a few hands, back out, fly out of there. And you went to church and you went through some activity, but you really didn't experience it. I remember when our kids were small, we would take them to Six Flags and things like that. And, and I, I've, I've never been that kind of person. If I got a day off, I want to go fishing. If you don't think I don't like fishing, you look at my cufflinks. I like hunting and I like fishing. Why would anybody waste one of God's 24 hours golfing, bowling, tennis, whether it's tennis on a court or table tennis? God made shotguns and rifles and rods and reels, the finer things of life. And I can promise you when I'm at Six Flags, going through all of that, I go through it, but I do not experience it. Honestly, I believe there's been times I went to church and I was so intent to do the next event that I sat through the singing and I sat through the preaching and I even done some of it. But I didn't experience it. But I've, I've been on this diet since January. And I have learned the difference between eating and experiencing. The next time I have liberty from the doctor or from my wife to go have a Krispy Kreme, I'm not just going to eat it. I'm going to experience it. First thing I'm going to do, I'm going to wait till the light comes on. And then I'll know it's the will of God to pull in there. 
And Wilbur and Sadie told his wife, we're not going to even pull in there unless there's a spot to park right in front of the door. And he said, we went, and after we circled the building 12 times, we found a place to park right there in the front door. But if I ever go again, I'm going to wait till the sign comes on. That I'm going to sit there and I am going to watch it. Glory. Come down that conveyor belt. And I'm going to follow it all the way. And then when it comes to that part where it just sits there. And they call it a white topping. I call it the anointing from heaven. As it rolls over that donut, as it drips, I'm going to watch it. And then finally, when that precious lady sticks that wooden stick in it and hands it to me, I'm going to smell it. And then I'm going to lick it all over. And then I'm going to take little bitty bites at the time. Used to, I would get a Krispy Kreme and the first bite was a half moon. By the time I took the second bite, it was a total eclipse. Can I get a witness? The next time I get liberty from my dietitian or my doctor to go to the varsity, which may not ever happen. And the next time I get me a chili dog, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to rub it. I'm going to smell it. I'm going to lick it and I'm going to eat it one little bitty bite at the time. If I ever get liberty to drink another Coca-Cola, oh my, I want to hug it. I want to kiss it. I want to sip it just a little bit at the time. Because if you're in such a hurry, In fact, I really believe I've ate some meals. I ate it, but I didn't even taste it. And going to church, sometimes we come in with already our mind on what we're going to do after. And I've set you up today because after this introduction, there ain't nobody in this room thinking about Jesus, the Word of God, or the Holy Ghost. You're thinking about Krispy Kreme and the varsity. I know you. You're, You're slobbering right now. But there's been times I've gone to church and I was so interested in what I had planned next. The choir sings, it's gone. The special sings, and it's gone. And the preacher, and it's gone. And the testimonies, and it's gone. But I believe today the Lord wants us to do more than just go to church and listen to some music and listen to a message. I believe He wants us to experience God experience church, experience our time with the Savior. And in Revelation 1, John does more than hear a voice. John does more than see a vision. John does more than take a vow. John experiences glory. What it's like to be in the presence Of the risen, glorified, returning King of kings and Lord of lords. And watch these five steps to John's experience. He said, number one, I was. And then he said, I heard. 
And then he said, I turned. And then he said, I saw. And then he said, I fell. And I love what he says after he fell. He come by and he laid his right hand on me and spoke to me that I am the Alpha and Omega. You know what ought to be our prayer in our car on our way to the church house on Sunday? Touch me, God. And then speak to me, God. Because today, if you only hear the choir, if you only hear the trio, which was awesome, and if all you hear is the vibrations of my voice, you've not heard anything that's going to change your life. But if you hear the voice of heaven and the voice of deity and the voice of sovereignty and the voice of God that's louder than the clamors of this world, you will hear a voice that will change your life. If all you see is the choir singing on key, if all you see is the ushers passing the plate, if all you see is the preacher holding his microphone, if all you see is the recognizing of our missionaries, if all you see is the saints of God fellowshipping, you've not seen anything that will change your life. But oh, somehow today, if you get a glimpse of Jesus and the sovereignty of Jesus and the love of Jesus, and the mercy of Jesus and the grace of Jesus and the blood of Jesus and the majesty of Jesus you'll be like the disciples they were glad when they saw the Lord but you got to do more than listen you got to do more than see you have to experience and I'm glad an experience with the resurrected Christ is available to every person that walks through them doors because I want to tell you a saint in the spirit on Sunday can meet the Savior and his name is Jesus Christ. Quickly, I was. John, where were you when you said I was? Notice that little word in is mentioned four times in verse 7 and verse 8. Number one, John said, I was in tribulation. Number two, I was in the kingdom of patience. Number three, I was in the isle of Patmos. Now, number one, he says, I'm in tribulation. You know what tribulation is? That's the hard knocks of life. John said, I'm right smack dab middle in the hard knocks of life. John said, I'm in the kingdom of patience. Patience is putting up and enduring the hard knocks of life. John, where are you when you have this experience? He said, I'll tell you where I'm at. I'm going through the hardships of life and I'm struggling trying to put up with and endure the hardships of life. And John said, if you don't think that's bad, I'm not only in the hardships, I'm not only in the putting up and enduring the hardships, I'm in the isle, which is called Patmos. Now, if you go to a local travel agent and say, I want to get on the agency and go to the Isle of Patmos, they will take you to a vacation resort. 
But in 90 AD, when John is writing this text, the Isle of Patmos had no five-star hotels. They did not have any beachfront cottages. It was a deserted island where they would take common criminals that nobody kin to them or friend to them would even claim. And when they saw they were not able to rehabilitate them, they would turn them loose, listen to this, on that deserted island where there was nothing to eat, there was nothing to drink, nothing but wild beasts, and they were left on a deserted island to die. John could not be in any more hard, adverse, difficult, disturbing circumstances. He is in tribulation, right smack dab in the middle of the hard knocks of life. He is in the middle of patience, learning how to cope and put up and endure the hardships of life. And there's only thing worse than enduring the hardships of life is when you own a deserted island with no shelter over your head, no shoes on your feet, and no fresh water and no fresh food. He could not be in any worse condition. Now, if you'll study the history of the disciples and the apostles in the early church, John was more than put on that deserted island to die. Listen to what the Bible said. He was boiled in tar. They boiled John in tar, covered him with tar. He's already cold. He's already hungry. He's already naked. He's already been beaten. His brother Peter had been hung upside down. His companion, listen to this, James has already been beheaded, the first apostle to die. His friends are dead. His family disowns him. He is hungry. He is cold. He is naked. He is placed on the Isle of Patmos in the wintertime, deserted and left to die. He is going through tribulation. He is going through the hard knocks of life. He's doing everything he can do to put up with and endure the hardships of life. And to make matters worse, he's not waiting it out in a hospital. He's not waiting it out in a hotel. He's not waiting it out at a hospice. He's not waiting it out homebound. No, he is waiting and enduring the hardships of life on a deserted island with no food, no water, no shoes, no shelter. He could not be in worst circumstances. But notice that little word in is mentioned four times in this verse. And I'm not going to get any farther than this point because I want to squeeze the fire out of this one. Yep, he said, I'm in it. The tribulations and the hard knocks of life, I'm in it. Learning to cope and endure and put up with this mess, I'm in it. And yes, I am in Patmos, a deserted, lonely island, and it looks like I'm going to die here, and he did. But have you ever noticed the fourth in in our text? He is in tribulation. He is in the patience. He is in Patmos, but that's when he broke through and said, but by the way, I'm in something else. 
I'm in the spirit on the Lord's day. John said Thursday and Friday and Saturday was pretty rough. Oh, but when the sun came up on this Lord's day, I was in the spirit. I'm glad being in the tribulation and being in the patience and being in Patmos will not keep me from being in the spirit. I'm glad my present circumstances are not connected to my spiritual condition. Let me say it like this. I'm glad where I am does not have to dictate what I am. And where I am does not have to dictate what I am. And it will not dictate who I want to be with. Now, I want to say if, if he would have been in a palace with the comforts of life, sipping on pink lemonade, eating food from the king's table, had some pretty women fanning him under an umbrella. Man, it'd been easy to get in the Holy Ghost right there. Oh, if he'd been out on the boat and a man, the weather was sailing and he's enjoying the sun and man, he's on this big fishing and, uh, excursion and man, plenty of food, plenty of drink. Man, anybody can feel good like that. Anybody can get in the spirit when things in life are going good. I, I told you the other day, the first 36 years of our life and our marriage was literally a dream. It was almost a fairy tale. We had very few problems, very few troubles. The church grew like bonkers. Our ministry grew beyond mine and her imagination. And I mean, son, hey, it was, man, it was awesome. It was an envious place to be. I would have to pinch myself and say, are you really blessing us like that? Uh, Is this really me that's enjoying all these good things? But deep down in my heart, what them old preachers used to say, it, it was back there, but I was trying to push it back. It was back there, but I was trying to push it back. And they'd say, nobody, nobody, enjoys the spirit-filled, victorious life without 40 acres of hell to go through to get to it. And I thought, yeah, but that's them other Christians. That's them other preachers. That's them other believers. You know, they had to go through hardships. They had to go through disappointments. They had to go through setbacks. But I'm special. I'm going to enjoy the Lord, and I'm going to enjoy life, and I'm going to enjoy heaven when I die. And man, I'm going to be able to write a book on first one to escape the adverse circumstances of life. 2019, on a Wednesday night at 1035 in Fuquay Arena at the Hampton Inn in room 109, I get a call. And excuse this expression, it's been hell to pay ever since. You get through a situation or you think you're going to get through a situation. And then here comes COVID. And then here comes more COVID. 
I told Miss Arthur on the first Sunday of January of 2020, I said, baby, with the momentum we're having in January, this will be the biggest year harvest has ever had. I said, honey, I guarantee you Easter Sunday, we'll have 800 to 1,000. You know how many we had on Easter Sunday? We was all stuck in our cars blowing the horn at one another. Then you think you're going to barely get through COVID and then a Delta virus breaks out. And it took more of our members out the second go around than it did the first. And some of you are sitting here and it's a miracle of God that you even survived that. And then you get through with that and then there's a physical element and then here's this and, and here is that, here is this and here is that. And I've, I've come to realize if you only get in the spirit, if you only enjoy God, if you only shout the victory, if you only have the joy of Jesus when you are going through the great, wonderful circumstances of life, there will come a day when your joy will be gone, your peace will be gone, and you're going to be popping Valium somewhere. But I've come to tell you, just like John, you can be in the smack dab. Boy, aren't you glad you know where that's from? And for you northerners that's moved among us, smack dab means right in the middle. You can be smack dab in the middle of tribulation. You know the difference between tribulation and troubles? Troubles is one thing. Tribulations is troubles on steroids. You can be in the midst of trouble. You can be in the midst of tribulation. You can be in the midst of the kingdom of patience doing everything you know to do just to survive. And then on top of that, be in an adverse place of trouble and trial worse than the Isle of Patmos. But I want to tell you this, tribulation didn't keep John from being in the Spirit. And being in patience didn't keep John from being in the Spirit. And being on Patmos didn't keep John from being in the Spirit. And I just want to stop. And if you get mad at this, take a number and get in line. Most all of y'all slept in a good bed last night. Most all of y'all slept in a comfortable house last night. Most of you got up, had plenty of food to eat this morning. You drove a decent car to church. You got clothes on your back. You got enough money in your pocket. You going to go eat. And for we not to worship God and for we not to praise God and for we not to get in the glory, God have mercy, shame on us. Yes. You have to preach your guts out. Just to get them to wake up. I, I told my wife this the other day, and boy, she, she's nervous about it. I said, the next person I find sleeping during one of my sermons, I'm going to call their names. And say, you're going to give $5,000 to church. I bet that will wake them up. You hear what I'm saying? And, and for somebody to go to church and then get in a car and say, boy, it was hot in there today. It was cold in there today. It was too long today. It was too, why don't you just get a life? 
You could be in tribulation more than you know to bear. You could be in the midst of the kingdom of patience barely surviving. You could be on a desert island with no clothes and no food and no shelter. As far as I'm looking around today, I don't see nobody got no reason to gripe and bellyache and whine and complain about nothing. If the air condition didn't work, if, if the pews were not padded, if we had a five-minute service there or a two-hour service, Ladies and gentlemen, we have no reason to complain. And for those of you that God has done some special things for, you really got a reason to get in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Quit looking around at somebody else and look up at this preacher. I'm tired of some of y'all coming in here dragging, fuming, fussing. You never have anything positive to say. It was too cold. It was too hot. It was too loud. It wasn't loud enough. Yim, 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 yim. Ah, get a life. Has it dawned on you, you could be in hell, lost without God forever. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, you'd be there. But here you are in church with clothes on your back, food in your stomach, money in your pocket. God has been good to us. Well, glory. And on top of all of that, the spiritual blessings that God has given us. Well, preacher, I'm just having a hard time really getting into the service. Well, if being in tribulation and being in patience and being in Patmos got John in the spirit, you may want to pray for some more of that. We may have it too easy. We may have it too easy. We may have taken too much for granted. Uh, you know, the money don't have to be there. The health don't have to be there. The breath doesn't have to be there. The opportunity doesn't have to be there. The bills don't have to be paid. The light don't have to be on. The pews don't have to be polished. The sound system don't have to work. The breath doesn't really have to be in your body. I'm saying all of us on Sunday ought to get in the spirit and spot of what else we're in, get in the spirit and worship God instead of coming to church and leaving in worse shape than you came, leave saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. God done something for me. I just didn't taste it. I just didn't eat it. I experienced it. Woo! He's in tribulation. He is in patience. He is in Patmos. But that didn't keep him from getting in the spirit. That's why I believe with all of my heart, and I'll go to my grave believing this, that a lot of people have mixed up emotions with spirit. I believe they've mixed up emotion a stir of emotion and got it crossed up with the Spirit. Because emotions are here and emotions are there. 
Emotions are here and emotions are there. But the Holy Ghost... Amen, Pastor Arthur. Preach on, son. They won't be standing in line today to shake the preacher's hand, but preach on, son. When you've had nothing more than an emotional stir, you're here with God and you're there with God. And you're here with God and you're there with God. And you come when you want to and you come when you don't want to. And you come in happy when you're happy and you come in mad when you're mad. You're either here or you're either there. You're like a song. I mean, brother, you flow with the melody. If the note is here, if the bat's here, I mean, son, there is no stability. There is no consistency because it's all in emotion. But let me tell you something, brother. When you've gone beyond emotion and tapped into the real God and the real Word and the real Holy Spirit, you will be way up high. You ain't going to be way down there. You're going to find you some common ground somewhere where you worship God and you experience God and you enjoy God. And I'm tired of hearing Baptists explain it like this. Well, God just didn't want to move today (laughs) on all of that. Look up here at me. Do you think God doesn't ever want to move when his people come together? If it takes the moving of the Holy Spirit to draw sinners, you mean to tell me that God said this morning, I'm not going to draw nobody today because I want a bunch of people to be lost. We're trying to blame it on... I just don't believe the Lord wanted that today. You know, I just don't believe God moved today. You'll never convince me that God chose not to move in his house. You'll never convince me that God chose not to speak in his house. You'll never convince me that the sovereign, loving God of heaven said, well, you know, today... You know, I'm not going to bless my people today. I'm going to let them operate in the flesh. And today, I'm not going to manifest myself. And today, I'm not going to draw anybody. And today, I'm going to withhold my presence. I don't believe a loving, sovereign God does that. I don't believe it's not God is moving today. I don't believe it's God is not speaking today. And if I hear this one more time, I'm going to throw a microphone. It just didn't get on today. Long day something. If it didn't get on today, and God didn't move today, and a loving God didn't draw today, and a loving God didn't speak today, I promise you it ain't God's fault. It ain't the Holy Ghost's fault. It ain't the Word of God's fault. We ain't in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And if you think this one's hot, last Sunday night was so hot, I made them turn off the live stream. And those of you that are listening this morning want to know why we turned the live stream off last Sunday night. You should have been here to hear it in person. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we're blaming everything on God. That's what's wrong with Calvinism. That's what's wrong with the Calvinists. So-and-so went to hell because God didn't choose him. So-and-so's lost because God didn't. No, no sinner will point their finger in the face of God and say, you didn't love me. You didn't die. It's not God's fault if you miss heaven. And saying of God, if you miss a Sunday and don't get in the spirit and don't get in the glory, 
glory and don't worship God. Don't you say, don't you say, boy, God decided not to move today. No, 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 no. It's not God. It is us. John is in trouble. John is in tribulation. John is in stickability. John is in patience. He is in Patmos. He's up to here with the troubles and trials of life. But he got in the spirit anyhow. And the sooner it dawns on you that where you are doesn't have to affect what you are, your life will change. Can I run that by one more time in closing? When it ever dawns on you that where you are does not have to affect what you are. As I promise, none of us have been close to the circumstances of John in this text. In tribulation, in patience, in Patmos, but in the Spirit. And I got to close here because we don't run out of time. But I want you to notice, he didn't hear nothing. He didn't turn, he didn't see, and he didn't fall till he got into spirit on the Lord's day. One of the things that's puzzled me through the years, how the same preacher with the same microphone and the same sermon, the same 25, 35, 45 minutes, you got somebody here on the edge of their seat lapping it up like a baby Loving baby food. And somebody near them sleeping. Got their head laid over on somebody's shoulder. Playing with their telephone. Picking their fingernails or whatever y'all do. How can the same preacher with the same microphone and the same Bible and in the same 25, 35, 45 minute sermon Bless the fire out of one and can't keep another one awake. How does that happen? I don't believe it's the word of God. In fact, if it was the preacher, they'd all be asleep. I believe one's in the spirit. And the other one's in the flesh. And something is keeping that one in the flesh from getting in the spirit. I got friends of mine that disagreed with me on this, but that, that's fine. Sometimes when you're right, it's a lonely life. Now, Dr. Arthur, you need to realize that God doesn't duplicate himself. You need to realize that there's different seasons. I know all about that. But you'll never convince me that God said, okay, 11 o'clock. 1974, Walt Stevens Road, Jonesburg, Georgia. I'm not going to go near that place today. I'm not going to bless anybody there. I'm not going to anoint any music. I'm going to not anoint any preaching. And if there's any lost people there, there won't be enough God there to draw them. So I'm going to sure all them people down at, 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 at 1974 just miss out. Now, all of us may miss out. All of us may leave in worse shape than we came. All of us may leave here saying, what a terrible Sunday. We may all leave and say, I ain't going back. I've left here a lot of times, and I was the first one that said it. I ain't going back. 
But if all of us leave mad, disappointed, or whatever, I don't think we can say, you know the Lord decided not to just move among us today. All them lost people that were there headed to hell, God just decided he wasn't going to draw them today, not speak to them. No, I don't believe we can point our finger and say, God, this is your fault. You decided not to move today. The difference between John and others, he got in the spirit. And the point I'm trying to nail down tight as I can so so an ant won't run out from under here. He didn't let what he was in keep him out of the spirit. If you'll learn to walk with God beyond emotion and dive in with God, what you in won't keep you out of what God has in store for your life. Let's stand together.